0: Hey, welcome to the podcast. Today, Pastor Rick is delivering a message about leaving a legacy of discipleship. The goal is to leave a legacy of discipleship, which means becoming a better follower of Jesus and helping others do the same. Each stage of spiritual growth has markers and the four markers, the four stages, are infant, child, young adult, and mature adult. Take a listen and enjoy the challenge as we find ways to grow in our discipleship. Good morning. Well, hang on, I've got this thing messed up and I do not know what to do. There we go. Woo! That'll make you nervous right there. Well, good morning. Good to see you. If you're joining us online, thanks for making the choice to be part of worship at the road. Grab a Bible. Actually, don't grab a Bible. How's that for coming to church, right? Now, if you are just like, i got to have a Bible and i got to have it open, we're going to be in Matthew 28 to start, and we're going to cover a lot of ground. But I really would prefer, uh, jot the scriptures down. Most of them are in your outline for you, for you to look at the scripture when when you get home and just kind of absorb today. Just kind of Listen. And, and, and reflect. This is a super simple message. We're in a series called, uh, you may not be a legend, but you can leave a legacy. And we've been talking about what a legacy is. A legacy is what other people are, what they become because they were around you. Right? It's, it's how you impact their life. And most of our lives are spent trying to become a, le- a legend rather than a legacy. And a legend is defined by success. We want to be a success at our job, a financial success, right? We want to be a success in every area. That's the American thing. But if you study scripture, scripture moves us toward leaving a legacy. The difference between a legend and a legacy, a legend is about success. A legacy is about significance. And when we line our lives up and begin to follow Jesus and spend time in His Word, the Bible moves us toward a life where we leave a legacy. And to some degree, what people become because they're around us, that's our family, that's our friends, that's the people we want to influence, right? To some degree, whether they know Jesus or not depends on how we live our life and then how they grow in Jesus. So this year we begin a, a journey as a church to leave a legacy of discipleship. And uh, that's what God has called us to do. Uh, that's what we want to be known for, right? That people uh, had a better relationship and became better followers of Jesus because they were around us, part of this church. And so uh, we're, I'm going to share a really simple four-point message with you. It came out of a book called Simple Church, written by Tom Rainer and Eric Geiger. And they began to look at churches who had this, these incredible growth rates, And what they could find in common with them. Because here's the reality for churches in America. Most churches in America are in decline going backwards. Like almost every church is in decline and going backwards. So what did the churches who were growing have in common? It's not what you thought. They had a a clearly defined process of discipleship. Over. And over and over again. And as they looked deeper, they found out that four things were always true about this clearly defined process of discipleship. And that's what we're going to look at. I'm going to take those four things and we're going to look at how they apply to who we are and who we're trying to become. And and I'm going to read a half a verse to you. Matthew chapter 28 verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples. We don't need to read anymore. That's what we're supposed to do. That's who we're supposed to be. That's what we are to be, here it is, known for. A legacy of discipleship. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for the good worship. Um, I want to say it again. We need you in every aspect of our life. Father, we can't pursue holiness unless you work holiness in us. Father, we can't grow spiritually unless it's you growing us. Father, we can't do family right unless we do it with you as a sinner. Father, so just, we need you. Meet with us. And Father, when you meet with us, find us soft and pliable and hungry. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So the discipleship process first should be something that is very, very easy and simple to understand. So all this starts with our mission statement. Our mission statement is this. We learn about Jesus so that we can go live like Jesus. Because you can't live like him if you don't learn about him. And then we learn about him to live like him so that ultimately the goal of our life is to lead other people to Jesus. Lead other people to grow in their relationship with Jesus. So we learn about him. We live like him. And we lead others to Him. That is why we encourage you, and I picked a couple up today, to jump in the Bible reading plan Monday through Friday, one chapter a day, right? If you're not in it, I encourage you to get in it, right? It's not not a threat. It's not a guilt thing. It's a blessing. And you're going to see that as we wrap this up today, is that the one thing that will change your life is spending time in God's Word, right? Not showing up here. We're going to talk about that. It is spending time in God's Word. So pick those up. They're back at the Hub today. Start spending time in God's Word. And what happens is we spend time in God's Word. The Bible makes it really clear that if we're reading God's Word, something changes in us. And those changes are observable, they are, they're markers that clearly identify them, and it's super, super simple. And we've complicated the spiritual stuff, right? And it frustrates me because in complicating things spiritual, we've driven people away from the church. You go read the Gospels and tell me how simple the message was that Jesus shared. It is an incredibly simple love story of there is a God who loves you so much he would let his son die for you. It is not complicated. We complicated it. And in so doing, we've driven people away from the love of God. So here's the simple pictures. There's multitudes of them in Scripture. Uh, Super simple pictures that everyone understands. There's the picture of a building that spiritual growth looks like a building. Right? Here's the crazy thing. Look right here at me. Everybody's seen a building. So Jesus, master teacher, when he starts talking about what spiritual growth looks like, he uses something that everybody is familiar with. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, and 10 wrote these words, For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field. That's another picture. We'll get to that in a minute. God's building, according to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another builds on it. Everyone's seen a building? It's an easy picture to understand. Number two. The picture of a plant. Here it is again. Watch how simple this is. Everybody in the entire world has seen a plant. They've watched that process. Most people in this world have planted a seed and watched that seed grow. So here's what Jesus is doing. Your spiritual life looks like something super simple that you see all around you. And there is a process of growth to it. Third one is a biological picture. And that's the one we use. By the way, it's super easy to tell where a plant is, right? We had those high winds. I got my tomatoes out, right? I had one tomato that was doing really good this morning. I just had this, you know, premonition. Before you go to the church, go look at your tomatoes, right? Because I do believe the devil will do anything to get you messed up on a Sunday. And my best one was broke, just slap over broke, right? So it's really easy to look at that and tell where it's at. It's dead. It's dead, Wednesday evening, we're meeting. There's a guy named Mel. He grows his garden every year. I said, Mel, how's your garden doing? He said, Pastor, I got my seeds in the ground really early, and they froze, and nothing's coming up. Mel, we know where your plants are, right? They're dead. Super easy to identify. The, the picture we choose to use, though, is from biology. And the Bible talks about it over and over again. We are God's children. He is our... Okay, we're going to get to get on the same page. We are his children. He is our father. And here's the crazy thing. Everybody in the world knows what that picture should look like. Right? You say, well, Pastor, I don't know who my father is, but you know what it should look like. It's a, permit, a picture that everybody is familiar with in life and then in each of these pictures there are really clear stages of development that everybody in the world is familiar with if you go back to the building you walk out how do you start building a building well you dig a footing you pour a foundation the walls come up you put a roof on it right and you can look at a building anywhere in the process and know exactly where it's at super easy to identify you go wow there's a foundation they're just getting started Walls are coming up. They're making progress. Hey, they got that thing dried in. It won't be long now. You look at a plant. The seeds in the ground. It sprouts through. It is just getting started. And then it moves up to a bigger plant. Ultimately, it blooms. You go, man, that plant's making progress. And then it produces fruit. That's a mature plant. Super easy to identify. And markers in human life, right? That's a baby. Again, get this. Everybody in the world knows what a baby is. Everybody knows. And you know what a child is? And you can watch that maturity process. And all Jesus is saying is your spiritual life should look like that. You should know that there's a beginning. You should know when you're in the middle. And you should know when you're close to the end. Right? And you can look at plant life. You can look at buildings. Or you can look at biology. And tell how we should be progressing spiritually. Here's the crazy thing about my life. I spent all my life in church. And I'm not sure I knew why I was here. I'll be straight up honest with you. I'm not sure I knew why I was here. Right? Why are you here? Well, you're supposed to come on Sunday. I think that's what most people do. But what Jesus wants us to see is, listen, there is a process of following me, and it looks very clear, and it's super easy to understand if we'll just slow down and look at that process. So spiritually, they're markers that identify where we are in the spiritual growth process. We call those markers movement. This is the second point. The discipleship process should have logical movement, right? So look up here at me. I'm going to make it super simple. How we grow should be easy to understand. This should make what I'm going to call common sense to us with well, the four stages that we have identified as markers in discipleship are infancy, childhood, young adulthood, and spiritually mature adult. And each one of them have markers. So when you're a spiritual infant, you just come to know Jesus, you just start following Jesus, what does your life look like? With well, the word, the goal of the spiritual infant is simply to connect. All we want you to do is show up, just be here, and when you're here, there's a reason for a party. Okay? Ephesians 2.19 says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So if you got a baby, there's not a lot of huge expectations. You don't look at a baby and say, hey, you're cooking dinner next week, right? Hey, when I get home, this house should be clean. What do you want from a baby? All you want from a baby is for it to be there, right? So in our family, we have uh, eight grandbabies now. The newest one is two and a half months old. Her name is Josie. She is my mother's namesake. We're having family lunch today after church. And so we're contacting the kids and we're saying, hey, uh, you want to come? Josie's daddy is Brady. He calls me and says, hey, what do you need us to bring? I said, you only need to bring one thing. (laughs) Right? You bring the baby. Because all we expect is for that baby to show up. And when that baby shows up, here's what people line up, right? Let me see the baby. Let me hold the baby. Is it my turn? Right? right. The baby is a reason to party. Now, spiritually look at me. The church makes a mistake of expecting things from a baby that a baby cannot produce. Right? And all we should be doing, get this, and if you're stuck in the mud, man, get this and move, is that every time there's new life born into this church, we should celebrate And when that new life shows up, it should be a party, right? Getting in line. Good to see you. Glad you're here, man. I'm excited because you exist. That's it. Now, here's a problem in church. Victor identified this when we talked about it. The stage of infancy is a very small percentage of the life of of a, a mature adult. Very small. But what happens at church? Ooh, I like people having a party when I show up. I like it being all about me. I like no responsibility. I like somebody picking up the spoon and putting the food in my mouth. It is cool to be an infant. Understand this. That should be a very small season of your spiritual life. Right? If you've been walking with Jesus for a few years now, and you still think it's enough for you to show up, you're stuck in spiritual infancy. Do you know how frustrating it is to have a child that refuses to grow up? Give it time. If you got one, you'll figure that out. (laughs) Same thing's true spiritually. It's frustrating to a church when we refuse to go through the maturing process. And the next stage... Next stage is childhood, spiritual childhood. The goal of spiritual childhood is to grow. John 8, 31, if you continue in my word, you are truly disciples of mine. That's why we do the Bible reading plan. We want you to engage in God's word daily just like a child. We want you to move from being fed, right, infancy, to being a self-feeder. And sometimes that's messy. Sometimes it looks like you start and stop. It gets messy. But the goal is to be moving towards self-feeding. And as we feed, we become more like Jesus. We move from attending to involvement. We learn, we move from this. Watch this. Worship, I'm, I'm watching it happen all around me. It's exciting to actually participating in worship. There's growth in the childhood phase. We begin to practice stewardship. We do not like talking about stewardship. But I'm going to tell you, if you grow at all in your spiritual walk, at some point, God's going to tap you on the shoulder and say, you realize everything you've got comes from me. Everything you've got comes from my hand. And I want you to honor me with it. I want you to honor me with it. So it's just a part of our spiritual development and spiritual growth. And then there's young adulthood. And the key word here is serve. Uh, Galatians 5.13 says, serve one another in love. Uh, now, uh, we start to connect in a, in a small group. And the smaller the group, the more intense the spiritual growth. Look right here at me and get this big point. The smaller the group, the more intense the spiritual growth. You ever been to a banquet, like a really big banquet, and they bring the food out? It's the worst food in the world. Right? It's rubber chicken. Right? It's rubber chicken. That's what you get when you go to the big setting. You want a good meal. You're never going to have it with a thousand people. You want a good meal. You're going to have it with two or three people. And you go in some little restaurant, and you're going to sit across from somebody you love, and they're going to put something on the table in front of you, and you're going to go, "Oh my gosh, this is good." I want you to hear. And you may love this experience right here, but this is rubber chicken. Right? You, you're going to live your whole life and all you're going to ever have is rubber chicken. Right? You want, you want steak? You want the best steak ever? You get in a small group with some people who know you and love you and can look at you and say, Listen, I see this happening in your life. Keep pursuing Jesus. The smaller the group, the more intense the growth. Also, the more rapid the growth. Right? This is that adolescence time. And uh, it's a true story. This almost sounds Unreal, but it's a true story. My oldest son, Brady, when he got his driver's license and we saved this thing, he was five foot eight and 155 pounds. At 16 years old, five foot eight, 155 pounds. Two years later, when he graduates high school, he is six foot three, 240 pounds. True story. When you are in adolescence, things can happen really quickly. We grow up fast, right? You go from a kid who hadn't got a hair on his face to a kid who's shaving in two years. This has happened spiritually. We move through this process quickly. And as we grow, we take on more responsibility. We begin to serve. We look for a place to contribute in the church. And there are literally thousands of ways to serve in this church. But again... It's really frustrating, and I got six adult kids in varying degrees of maturity. It's really frustrating as a parent to have a child who refuses to accept responsibility for their maturity. To continue to look at you and ask you to pay the bills. To not worry about their own bills. To not help out around the house or the family. Right? It's that way at church. To expect other people to fulfill the responsibilities God has called us to fulfill. And then there's the last phase. and That's adulthood. The key word here is reproduction. There are two goals. Super, super uncomplicated. Two goals. I want to be able to talk comfortably to other people about my relationship with Jesus and how they can have one and to be able to help other people grow. This is the completion of the discipleship process, okay? I don't want that to be threatening. I don't want you to have to memorize five points, three points, 16 points. I don't want you to have to memorize 87 scriptures. I just want you to be able to talk about Jesus. How does that happen? I spent time in God's word so I could learn how to live my life, so I could learn how to lead other people to Jesus. It's that simple. And we're going to wrap that up here in just a minute. So, a minute. So movement is simple, it's logical, but then there's a third characteristic, and this is move, uh, discipleship requires a decisive moment called alignment. Alignment. There, there comes a moment in all of our lives when we decide what we are serious about. Uh, and what you are serious about is what you will be remembered for. I need you to, to, to connect those dots. Whatever it is you're serious about life is what people around you are going to remember you for. So what are you most serious about right now? Is it your job? Right? You drop dead right now. The people around you are going to remember you. Man, he loved his job. Right? What is it you love? What is you you're serious about? Like right, my, my Debbie, my wife who passed away, she had a Grandpa Haynes. He had a birthday this week. And I saw a lot of stuff on social media that people were posting about him. He's passed away. Uh, he lived in Brownwood, Texas. He owned a few car washes there. And I have very distinct memories of him uh, and my time with him before he passed away. And one of them was he had these buckets of quarters from his car wash, and you'd go see him, and he'd be sitting there, and he'd be doing this. Had a rag in his hand, pulling them quarters out of there, rubbing them quarters, shining those quarters as long as I live. I always remember him doing that, and the second thing I remember is what it was like to spend the night at his house. That rascal was made out of money, and he bought the cheapest toilet paper you could ever buy, <laughs> right? Horrible, horrible stuff, and you would get an full body exfoliation by just spending one night at his house because you're sleeping on sheets that were 1,000 grit sandpaper, right? You wake up the next morning and you, you can shake those things out because you've done been exfoliated everywhere. You got that grandma, grandpa, you know, because I'm not, they're not the only one. Well, watch this. What's your legacy? Oh, he loved his money. Loved his money. What you are serious about will become what people remember you for. How many of us will people look back and go, man, he loved Jesus. Man, he loved Jesus. For a church, this means that we make a decision that everything in church is going to work for the same purpose. I'm going to show you what church is like. You guys have been in a lot of churches, you know. Churches are like small towns, hundreds of small towns around here. And there'll be 50 businesses, 25 businesses in a small town. And the only thing they got in common is that they're in the same town. They don't help each other, right? They exist for themselves. So, so you go to church and you got a youth ministry and a children's ministry and a worship ministry and a men's ministry and a women's ministry. And in most churches, here's what they got in common. They all share a common building and they all share a common budget. And they all do their own thing. Going this way, going that way. Alignment means that everything comes together and we are all working in all ministries for the same purpose. This means hard decisions have to be made. Look at me. It means things change. And I'm going to tell you in advance that in the next few months, some things will change. Everybody goes, I hate change. Sure, I hate it too. Unless it's for something I love. And here's what we're trying to do. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples. And here's the truth. I spent most of my life in the ministry not doing it. I'm at the end of my life. I'm at the end of my ministry. There's no other way to look at it, right? This head is white for a reason. And we've waited this long to even start. And that grieves me. But we're going to start now. We're going to start now. Last thing. Discipleship means Jesus is the most important thing in my life. This is called focus. Uh, Focus means everything in my life is going to be second place to Jesus. And Jesus told us this over and over and over. The scriptures are in your passage, are in your uh, worship folder. Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God. Matthew 16, 24 through 26, Jesus told his disciples, If anyone comes after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He kept saying there should be one focus in your life. One focus. And that's Jesus. So I want you to close your Bibles up. I want you to put and look right up here at me. Nothing else to write down. I worked on this message eight weeks ago. I didn't feel good this week. Had some kind of viral thing that was going around. And the devil gets in my brain and he starts saying this to me. What's the point of this? You're going to stand up in front of a bunch of people and preach this message. And what is the point? How are you going to close this sermon? Because you don't know how. Ha, 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 ha. I start getting stressed. Right? And I've done this hundreds of times. Show up in my office, sit down at the keyboard, and God always comes through. Right? Well, I'm getting more and more anxious about, I don't know how to wrap this thing up. It is 445 Wednesday evening. I leave to come up here for our 630 service at 5 o'clock. And I don't know what I'm going to do. And my wife's phone pings. And she came running in there, and she said, I've got to read this to you. And I'm thinking, great, I've got to figure out how to close a sermon. (laughs) She goes, no, you've got to listen. We have a relationship with a young lady who led worship here. She's in Nashville, Tennessee. Her name's Kaylee Bishop. And uh, Kaylee, months ago, started doing the Bible reading plan with us. She sends her little text in to a group that my wife is in every week. And she sent this message, and I'm going to read it verbatim to you. She said, I'm traveling right now, and I'm having a hard time sitting down and getting my BRP done. Listen to this. I think my brother's about to come to the Lord. I played a show at my mom's church on Sunday, and I shared my testimony. That night, I shared with him the story of Joseph. And he was mesmerized and he wanted to watch that cartoon, King of Dreams, same maker as the Prince of Egypt, which he also watched since we also talked about Moses. He cried at the end of the King of Dreams. He was so moved by Joseph's story and he was so grieved at the injustice. Then I told him about Jesus and how God longs to dwell with us. I started in the garden. And how sin separated us. And then it led to the temple building so God could dwell with his people. Then it led to Jesus and his crucifixion, which allows God to dwell inside us now. I had no idea how moved he was. That night after work, he came home and he watched the passion of the Christ. Into the early morning, the next day he bought his first Bible. He told me the next morning that he prayed for the first time ever in his life. He's been in such a dark place. He's so ready for something holy and something pure and something fulfilling. And I'm so overwhelmed by it all, and I love him so much. He said the concert on Sunday was such an impact to him. But I think the interactions over the last few days really did work on him. And it's absolutely incredible. Listen to this. And I know I never would have been able to so captivatingly describe the stories without having studied along with this Bible reading plan. Everything I shared with him was from what I've studied over the past few months. My brother had no idea that the Bible was so rich and laden with incredible, miraculous stories. Now listen to me. When she read me that, I knew why we were preaching this message. One day it's going to be your brother. Or your mom. Or your daddy dying with cancer. And listen to me. You walk through this process and you won't be in panic mode going somebody call pastor. Find somebody that knows how to talk to the people I love about Jesus. Jesus. Because you'll know how to talk to the people you love about Jesus. That we learn about him so we can live like him, so we can lead other people to him. Would you bow your heads with me? The invitation today is simply Are you ready? And you say, Pastor, ready to do what? I, I would phrase it this way, ready to do whatever God wants you to do today. I believe with all my heart that there would be some people here who have come to church all your life, but you've never really understood what any of this is about. But with the really simple pictures from Scripture, you begin to understand that, hey, there's a, there's a journey I should have been on, and I haven't. I had not even started I've done a lot of church and, and really very little Jesus. And maybe today you would say, Pastor, I'm ready to follow. I'm ready to follow. Or maybe you have made the decision to follow, but you've never told the world about that through baptism. Every week we have somebody who says, Listen, I've known I needed to be baptized for a long time. Don't like the crowds. Just, did, just didn't want to go through the process. Maybe today you're ready. Maybe today you'd look at your life and go, my next step is baptism, and I'm ready. When we respond, you come grab one of our pastors and say, hey, listen, this is what I'm supposed to do, God told me. Or maybe it's the Bible reading plan. And maybe you want to walk out of this service and head back to the hub and pick that up, and tomorrow morning you get started reading a chapter, one chapter, one chapter a day. Because that's what you're supposed to do. And you're ready. Or maybe it's just your next step, right? Whatever your next step is, you kind of look at the process and you go, this is where I'm at and I don't want to stay here forever. I want to grow. I want to leave a spiritual legacy. I want to be the guy telling the people I love about Jesus. I don't want to leave that job to somebody else. I want to sit down and tell them about the greatest thing ever. Ever. I want to be a part of that. I want to leave a spiritual legacy of discipleship. Father, I pray that as we move into this time, you'd give us the freedom, Father, to respond to you. God, our ministers are here. They love you. They love the people. God, give us freedom to deal with our stuff because we all got a lot of stuff. And Father, to take a spiritual step, whatever that means in our lives, we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. thanks for joining us at The Road. If you'd like more information about things going on at Choctaw Road Baptist Church, visit us at theroad.tv or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theroadcrbc. Have a great week.